WOVULP Cleveland. Now, our voices today. Hello, good morning, good morning, and welcome to today's Our Voices Today here on WOVU 95.9 FM, Burton Bell Car Community Radio, streaming live from WOVU.org and of course the WOVU mobile app and uh you know be sure if you haven't already but i'm sure you have you know uh make sure you download the wovu mobile app from the apple app store and the google play store as is appropriate for your particular uh telephonically enlightened communication device i hope everyone is doing well it's friday it's friday it's friday it's friday and uh, we are so excited because it's Jumpstart Friday and we are continuing to speak with our friends, uh, you know, from Jumpstart who are connected, who have used, you know, uh, the services that Jumpstart uh, provides to our North east or northern ohio uh, region and uh, in terms of business and entrepreneurship mentorship connections uh, to resources and capital and so much more and so we are delighted to have with us two uh, guests there is a third person who uh, should be calling in we'll see if they can join us but uh, let's see first on the line uh, with us today um, is Gloria Ware. Uh, hello, Gloria. Are you there? Can you hear us? I'm here. I'm here. It's nice to be back. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, joining us uh, from our Zoom line is Bethany Freelander. Bethany, can you hear us? Are you there? Oh, let me get Bethany. Let's see. Let's see. Let me get Bethany on. Okay, Bethany, go ahead one more time. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Bethany. Welcome to Our Voices Today. So um, I'd like to just start by, um, let's just jump right in. It's Jumpstart Friday. So Gloria, uh, we'll start with you. You know, tell us, you know, about your connection um, to Jumpstart and a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Well, yes, I have, uh, I serve on the inclusion team at Jumpstart and I've been a Jumpstart for 10 years. My prior to that, I was a banker. So I worked for a number of banks uh, across the Northeast Ohio and in um, Southwest Ohio as well. Uh, but I've always had a passion for working uh, to serve entrepreneurs of color and women, women business owners. Um, and so that's what attracted me to the opportunity at uh, Jumpstart, which I've had some different experiences from working directly with uh, women and uh, entrepreneurs of color to help them to grow their business, secure funding, um, and, you know, whatever other needs they may have had. 
And uh, in my current role, which I've had for three years, I am the director of the um, KeyBank Center for Technology, Innovation, and Inclusive Growth, which is a partnership with uh, KeyBank and the KeyBank Foundation um, under what's known as the KeyBank Business Boost and Build Program. And, you know, the focus of the KeyBank Business Boost and Build Program is to support our communities by helping businesses to start, grow, be successful. And from my experiences as a banker um, and in doing this work, one of the most important things you can do to help a business uh, to grow and be successful is uh, make sure that they have quality talent, right? And that's always been a big challenge for a number of our business owners, particularly small business owners, is finding quality talent and retaining employees. Um, And then what I know, particularly from our work, over the last 10 years is that uh, businesses that have a diverse workforce, so they have, you know, people of color working there, women, people from all different backgrounds um, that bring different perspectives, they actually do better, right? So they're more innovative. Mm -hmm. They are um, more able to be flexible, which we know in this flexible. Um, They're able to uh, actually generate more cash flow, so we want to make sure that our businesses are, um, you know, making sure that they have the the talent that they need. Big challenge, you know, that we've heard is that not they've had some challenges finding uh, people from our communities to work there. So our goal is to make sure that that's not an issue and not a barrier. So through this work, we've supported various organizations that either support entrepreneurs or help to uh, make sure that. Um, People in our communities have the skills that they need, but more importantly, those connections to employers and that they're also having a good experience at those with those employers while they're there. And so from that, I was exposed to this notion of today's topic, uh, trauma-informed care, through actually one of our new partners, the Greater Stark County Urban League, who wanted to implement some of those practices into her workforce skills um, initiatives. So um, happy to talk more about that today. Absolutely. Thank you uh, so much, uh, Gloria Ware and uh, Bethany Friedlander. Go, you are the president and CEO of Newbridge Cleveland. Tell us about, uh, you know, your organization, your role and your connection to uh, Jumpstart as well. Sure. Yes. Thank you. Um, so I've been president and CEO um, and have been here for the last five years. Um, we're a trauma informed workforce development program. Primarily, we train uh, individuals for entry-level healthcare careers in phlebotomy and patient care nursing assistants. And then in the afternoon, we get this unique opportunity where we switch over and we become a social-emotional learning program that uses art for 9th through 12th graders to really explore their sense of identity and their sense of self. So I get to have a foot in both camps, which is amazing. Um, so that's Newbridge. Awesome. 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 And so, you know, our conversation today um, is about uh, trauma informed care. So, you know, when we talk about uh, that term, what is trauma informed care? First of all, let's, you know, give our listening audience a definition in case uh, they are unaware. Um, uh, What is trauma informed care? Sure. Gloria, you want me to take this one? Please, yes, yes. Uh, Bethany is definitely sure. our, our expert in that. We've, we've been learning a lot from so tra- um, her and her work. So trauma-informed 
uh, term informed merely means that we make an assumption that the majority of our participants have been exposed to either personal or community-based trauma. And that as such, we wanna create systems um, and methodologies that sort of help to heal that trauma. We like to build resiliency in our students. We wanna maximize their human connections with each other um, and with us. And then we wanna create opportunities for them to succeed in life work and so um, personal trauma uh, can be defined as, for instance, physical abuse, the incarceration of a parent, drug addiction within your family, um, community-based trauma, which I think will resonate with a number of people who live in the city of Cleveland, um, are things like uh, violence in neighborhoods, experiencing racism, um, living in foster care, and also something like being exposed to bullying in school. And all of that trauma is gonna have biological and psychological impacts on your participant. And so creating programming that takes that into consideration largely increases the likelihood of their success. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I want to uh, take a moment to introduce uh, our third guest on the show today. Uh, she is calling in as well. Diane Robinson, the CEO of the Greater Stark County Urban League. Welcome to Our Voices today. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to join you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for being patient. Um, so I want to give you a, a chance to, uh, you know, tell our listening audience, you know, about a little bit about who you are, um, about the Urban League of Greater Stark County and its connection to the Jumpstart organization. Thank you. Um, allow me to begin by um, sharing with you that the Greater Stark County Urban League was established um, in 1921 as an affiliate of the National Urban League, a nonprofit, nonpartisan, community-based civil rights organization. And the mission of the Greater Stark County Urban League is to enable African Americans and other minorities to achieve full economic, social, and health parity to enrich their lives and the lives of their families. Our vision is that every African-American has access to jobs with a living wage and um, good benefits. The thing that I would also like to share is that the Greater Stark County Urban League will be celebrating 100 years of service to the community um, in about three months. And so we are looking to Amazing. that. We have been advocating on behalf of African-Americans, the poor, and others for um, quite some time in the areas of workforce development, education, health, housing, and social justice. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for that, Diane Robinson, the CEO of the Greater Stark County Urban League. Um, Gloria Ware, um, you know, as the director of the Key Bank Center for Technology, Innovation and Inclusive Growth uh, with Jumpstart, you know, tell us, you know, a little bit about how um, or maybe the types of organizations, you know, that, you know, uh, you know, uh, that are similar to um I'm sorry, to Newbridge, uh, that deal with, you know, this type of caring for uh, the community. Um, and, you know, what what types of resources, you know, does Jumpstart, you know, at, in your position in, as an organization provide to organizations, you know, that are dealing with, um, you know, something as personal and intimate, you know, as uh, this type of care? Uh, yeah, so we uh, have been supporting organizations that primarily serve communities of color and that have a focus on um, making sure that we're building a strong pipeline of uh, women and people of color throughout the state of Ohio that have the skills needed to be successful in the 21st century, um, but that also have the connections to employers. Um, and that, again, as I mentioned, the employers are ready to uh benefit positively from this influx of talent uh, since 2018, which is when we actually started providing funding. So we provide grant funding to the organizations, but also we provide um, support and resources and information um, and um, do our best to advocate their work, um, give their work visibility in the community and in the state and nationally if possible. Most of these are organizations that have a strong history to uh, Diane's point of working with communities of color. So um, they are intimately familiar because of maybe personal experiences as well mm -hmm. of the additional challenges or traumas that uh, many of us face. Um, and, you know, in the current environment with uh, COVID and, um, you know, the, the murders of George, George Floyd and the, the, um, the, a lot of the, the, the challenges have been amplified, yeah. you know, uh, regardless of where you work. So, uh, you know, when we're looking to partner, we're looking for people that have these connections to the community. They understand the community um, above and beyond just kind of the nine to five. Um, they're active in the local churches, active in local organizations, have a strong track record and a reputation um, amongst community members and are trusted, mm -hmm. right? So um, most of them are either providing the types of skills that we, we are hearing employers say that they need, so there can be no excuses for people saying that they can't find diverse talent, um, and they were also very forward-looking. So uh, the the Greater Stark County Urban League is our newer newest partner. We just started our partnership this year. And what really appealed to me about the work about Diane and the work of Diane was, number one, her, you know, long-lasting relationship with the, the National Urban League. I think she was on the national board uh, for many years at one point in time. Her background in HR, but really the actions that she was taking, like through the COVID, you know, at the beginnings of during the early part of COVID, she was mm -hmm. actively, she and her team were actively out in the community, and she can talk more about that. But, you know, boots on the ground, um, directly addressing just some of the basic human needs that people were having 
um, you know, before they could even think about workforce skills training right. Right, or even looking for a job. And so, like, that's the type of leadership and the type of person that we want to work with. And so Diana mentioned that she wanted to be more intentional about embedding trauma-informed care in workforce, which is really a relatively new concept. A lot of mm-hmm. it's been kind of used in working with youth um, in social services. And so I was just looking for uh, some additional resources to support that effort and um, spoke to one of a, a partner that we work with, Rebecca Kusner of R for Workforce, and she introduced me to Bethany and the work of Newbridge. Mm-hmm. And so from that, we thought, you know, hey, this would be something that we want to highlight and connect all of our partners to. So we're learning together and doing this work. But I, I do want to say that I think if you are a leader in a community of color, you've been doing trauma-informed workforce practices, yeah. right? You just didn't know that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. And so it's great to actually have now a framework. There was a, we had a Key Bank Business Booth and Bill sponsored event. Yes, I think it was Wednesday on trauma-informed care. And it was so helpful, like really. So, I, you know, we were even thinking about ways that we can apply it to our workplaces. And Bethany gave some really good, good examples as to how they use it internally right. at Newbridge. Yeah. So, so that's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Bethany, I guess I uh, let's dig a little deeper into, you know, what it looks like to embed trauma informed care into adult workforce um, training. So if you know what what does that look like? Give us, you know, a mental picture of that. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, So there are some pillars that are basic guidelines for what a trauma informed approach looks like. And those are safety being trustworthy and transparent, right? So that's about um, us treating each other as a staff using these same principles and allowing the students to see that modeled. Uh, It's peer support. So really um, focusing on and developing programs where uh, students get to support each other. Um, Collaboration, again, is a part of that. Um, Empowerment and choice. So choice is a really big um, issue with people who have been exposed to, to trauma who can often feel silenced, or victimized. And so this element of choice can really help build resiliency. So trying to develop um, approaches to curriculum, sometimes that could look like team teaching, for instance, so that if a person doesn't connect and we don't all equally connect with each other, uh, then then they can connect with the other person. It can be choice, um, giving students perhaps a choice between two or three different approaches or projects. And then also, you know, grounding all of that work in a cultural and historical um, and gender and race knowledge and sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also, we engage in restorative practices. Um, restorative practices is just a methodology that allows um, organizations and people to be able to acknowledge trespasses that we make against each other or against the organization and allows people to participate in deciding how they uh, want to restore the relationship with the community. And we also try to engage in nonviolent communication, which is a methodology that try to, tries to clear up any ambiguity in the way we communicate. Because again, people who have been exposed to trauma often um, are in a heightened emotional state, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety, potentially depression, uh, suicidal ideation. And so making sure that your language is really kind and clear and non-punitive is another way that you build that trust and that sense of safety. Wow. I like that idea of, uh, you know, restoration or, you know, restorative 
um, I'm not sure if you use the word justice. I can't remember. But, um, you know, we see that, you know, happening more and more in our justice system. So it's interesting to hear about that approach being used um, in the workplace. Um, Diane, uh, Gloria, you know, alluded to, you know, the fact that, you know, before we can even get, you know, into workforce training during this period in time, this unprecedented moment, you know, in our society right now, as we deal with the COVID-19 pandemic, people are really, um, you know, grappling to hold on to just the basic foundations, you know, of life, you know, let alone thinking about um, getting back into the workforce. Tell us more about, you know, that aspect, you know, of uh, this, uh, this issue, and how you and the Stark, uh, the Greater Stark Urban League have been dealing with that in the community. Thank you. Um, one of the things that we came to understand um, in our process of implementing our workforce development program was that individuals in community had other problems that they were dealing with during COVID-19 um, and that we needed to approach those individuals in a way that um, would provide them the services that were needed on an immediate basis as opposed to looking at jobs at that point in time because COVID had displaced so many individuals. So one of the things that we did was um, implement a distribution program, a distribution program that included household um, items and also hygiene items and diapers and provide those to um, the individuals of community that were challenged with being able to purchase those items. And we did that as a means of building um, relationship with individuals within community and having them recognize that we could identify the issues that were most concerning to them at that point in time. You see, I believe that we have all been um, experiencing a pandemic within a pandemic, the pandemic of COVID-19 and the pandemic of racism that we, many of us, the majority of us has experienced on one level or another. And so reaching out into community and providing individuals with items that they did not have the funds to purchase or items that would help them pay another bill um, whenever um, we gave them those items would make a difference. And we have provided over 2,500 families with these packaged items, um, approximately nine to 10 items um, for each of these families. Again, understanding that the trauma of this pandemic and the trauma of the racism that we had experienced with the George Floyd um, murder um, had all of us traumatized. And that is, too, one of the reasons that we are so committed to providing um, trauma-informed care 
with the individuals that we are interacting with on a daily basis. We also understand that although we're recruiting individuals to um, provide training, um, assessment, and placement with employers, that we have to continue to interact with those individuals to help them work through the trauma that they have experienced and to help them maintain jobs once we are able to um, place them in those jobs. So again, we understand how critically it is important it is for us to interact with individuals based on the understanding that we have all been traumatized in one way or another um, with the actions that have taken place and to work with these individuals in a caring manner. And the way that we approach that is by training our staff and we just helping them understand that it's critically important for us to approach absolutely everyone with the idea of caring for that individual and with the idea of building relationships with those individuals so that they begin, just begin that process of trusting us. We know and understand that trust is a critical piece and that for many traumatized individuals, trust is difficult to give. Yes. And so, you know, this question can go out to uh, any one of you uh, here on the line. Uh, just for, to inform our listeners, you're listening to Our Voices Today. It's Jumpstart Friday. And joining us uh, by phone is Gloria Ware, director of the Key Bank Center for Technology, Innovation, and Inclusive Growth at Jumpstart. Bethany Friedlander, president and CEO of Newbridge Cleveland. And Diane Robinson, CEO of the Greater Stark County Urban. League, um, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, Diane that you know this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, you know, is a situation that is traumatically affecting all of us. You know, on top of all of you know whatever the other personal traumas and triggers are, and you talked about you know training your staff uh, to be uh, mindful and you know aware of the, you know situations or circumstances that others may be dealing with, you know, in their background that, you know, they may not be speaking of. Um, Bethany, you know, talk to us about, you know, when um, uh, uh, employers and employees, clients come to you, you know, uh, looking for help in this area, um, you know, what is it that you are hearing is needed most uh, from your uh, community or clientele? Yeah, so, um, you know, we're in somewhat of a unique position. Um, we, like every other agency, closed um, when De when DeWine uh, mandated closures. We opened back up as soon as we could. Um, we were able to do that because we have a registered nurse on staff, and that's because we train in healthcare careers. Uh, we received, during the three weeks we were closed, we received 800 applications for training. Mm -hmm. Um, we have since been able to, because of social distancing and 
decreased capacity. We've been able to train 41 individuals and place them within the hospital systems. And they're critical frontline care workers, uh, who many of whom have been impacted personally by COVID with a sick family member, um, people who have actually lost loved ones. But they've also seen how COVID has really sort of unearthed some of the other bigger problems that we know exist. Um, and so what we're finding is that it's exciting for us in two ways. One is we're finding that a lot of people took a look at their lives at the beginning of that closure and said, I don't want to go back to the job I had. It wasn't fulfilling. It didn't meet my needs, maybe economically, maybe I wasn't full time. So it's exciting to be working with people who are really wanting to change their lives, but who also really want to change the lives of their patients. And what we're seeing is a tremendous explosion, I think, of empathy, mm-hmm. which in healthcare field, you couldn't get a better personality trait. Mm-hmm. We can teach you the physical skills, mm-hmm. um, but you can't, you can't make someone truly understand that empathy and that ability to walk in a patient's shoes. And we talk a lot about that, about the patient experience, you know, that patients are scared and that they're sometimes angry and cranky um, and that you can't respond to that. You can't absorb mm-hmm. that, right? You have to figure out a way to be compassionate and effective and empathetic, but you can't take that trauma home with you because we don't want them to bring that home to their families either. So it's been a terrible time, I think, for our community. But I think that for me, the spark of hope of just seeing these fantastic people who have come here despite the pandemic and who really want to jump in and help their community has been incredibly moving. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, um, Gloria, how does this, how does all of this, you know, fit into, um, I guess the mission and the role of jumpstart, you know, in terms of, um, informing, you know, the people that uh, you are uh, mentoring and uh, providing resources for, you know, about this um, element, you know, that is present, you know, in business, especially now, but, you know, uh, in times before, you know, there's been traumatic instances going on, you know, from 9-11 to the wars, you know, uh, veterans mm-hmm. coming back, um, uh, you know, and also, you know, people re-entering the workforce uh, from mm-hmm. the prison system and yeah. things like that. Yeah. What is, um, you know, tell us more about, you know, Jumpstart's role and your role in that as well. Well, again, I, I look at our role is to, number one, identify, you know, individuals like Diane, um, you know, in communities across the, the, the state that already have that basic foundational understanding and empathy. I love that Bethany, yeah. uh, you know, referenced that that point. Um, but then also, you know, many of uh, our organizations that serve our communities don't necessarily have uh, the full capacity right, to be able to serve as many people as they potentially mm-hmm. could and in the way that they would prefer. So number one is providing these resources. So thanks to our partnership with KeyBank, we're able to provide resources for them to do the types of things that maybe their current set of funding does not allow them to do. And, you know, hence the term kind of innovation, you know, uh, to do some of the innovative things that they, you know, uh, have ideals around but are not able to implement, but then also to leverage Jumpstart's resources 
such as our, you know, social capital and our networks that connect us to people like Bethany, right. um, and to, you know, pro, to, pro, to, it, to bring those resources to our partners, right? So we had a fantastic um, uh, webinar experience with uh, Bethany's team Wednesday, and we invited all of our partners from across the state and just anyone in, you know, in, that's interested in this work, including employees who participate, and it is. It was recorded, so there'll be an opportunity for people to to learn. Um, and then it also allows us at Jumpstart to leverage these practices as well, too, because we work with a lot of communities of color, and it's very important that we understand, right, and have built and constructed our team and our work around these practices to best serve our clients. Um, and uh, you know what I'm excited about is that we'll be bringing. Uh, hopefully some additional w- w- webinars and workshops around these practices and you know, strongly encouraging our partners and other community members, but particularly employers, to um, participate and engage and learn. Um, and then we'll just be kind of tracking to, to see what happens. You know, what are the changes? Do we, do we see improvements in the well-being of the, the clients that, that our partners are serving? Do we see improvement in our well-being and the organizations internally in terms of how we're feeling and, and engaging? Um, and then are we we seeing some of these practices adopted by employers, which for me, I think that's the biggest challenge. Because there have been situations where, you know, people have gone to work for employers and it hasn't necessarily been mm-hmm. a strong work environment, particularly for people of color. And that's one of the things that we want to change. We don't want to invest in, in these practices and, and have organizations put in their you know, uh, a lot of their skills and efforts only in and people to take the time out to get this training and then to not have the type of work environment that's conducive to a positive experience. And employers, in turn, will benefit because they'll have, you know, better employee engagement. They'll have stronger retention. People will stay at their companies longer because people are, you know, more hopefully feeling more, uh, you know, safe and feeling that they trust the environment that they're working in will be more productive, mm-hmm. and then the employers will be able to truly benefit from having a diverse workforce that has an inclusive and caring and empathetic culture. Yeah, so Bethany, you know, uh, Newbridge has been uh, in, in business for 10 years, and so, you know, uh, tell us, I guess, uh, and Gloria just mentioned, you know, some of the benefits of, you know, in implementing uh, this type of approach in the workplace. Tell us about, you know, some of the, um, you know, maybe an example, a story of, uh, you know, a workplace that was transformed, you know, once uh, Newbridge, you know, kind of stepped in and and, you know, gave that uh, that trauma-informed piece? Yeah, I have so many thoughts. Um, so I want to start by saying I think that the first step to making this work go from the social service realm to the employer realm is at least creating shared language. So it's so great that we're even having this conversation today because we're, we're learning to appropriately use and call things what they are, which I think is the first step. Um, I think that this... The, the key is that companies ultimately want retention, right? It's incredibly expensive to recruit, train, and keep um, and to replace employees. And so uh, workforce has been judged on its retention uh, statistics for the last 20 years. And I think, you know, rightfully so. What we find um, is that the employees have the skills. The employees are also really 
sophisticated code switchers. They know how, generally, they know how to interview well. They know what companies expect of them. They know that they're supposed to be there on time. They know that they're supposed to get along with their coworkers and be able to take feedback from a supervisor. However, the trauma, you know, etches its own story on each individual. And that individual may know that those are the expectations, but may not personally be able to meet those expectations at all times. And so what we would often hear about is a person who would just unravel. We all have had this employee, right? They're great, they're doing a good job. One day you give them a piece of feedback and they storm off, they quit, they yell at their supervisors, they get violent. And that's a, that's a trauma response to, um, to a trigger for that person that they aren't able to control. So what we want to do is we want to give people as many practice opportunities here as possible. We want them to have their failures here, fail fast, fail often, and then succeed when you're in the workplace. And so what we're finding is that we've, we've always had great placement rates, but we're finding our retention is um, raising exponentially as we implement these practices. So during the COVID shutdown, we were able to do something which every workforce per development program wants to do, but rarely has the time to do, which is to do a long-term retention study. And what we were able to find out was that close to 60% of our students were still working in the fifth year, still in healthcare, some of whom had gone on. We've had three people go on to become RNs. We've had uh, students become preceptors and trainers. And so what that is, is that to me, is that person's individual decision to address their trauma and do the work that enables them to not just know what those external expectations are of an employer, but to be able to meet or exceed those expectations. Amazing. And thank you so much, Bethany. Yeah. And um, Diane, you know, what, how have you seen, um, you know, uh, your uh, workforce at the Urban League, you know, uh, change and transform? You mentioned, um, well, you know, Bethany and Gloria mentioned, you know, that empathy piece. And you also yourself, you know, um, you know, said that uh, your staff, you know, has been, um, you know, more mindful of other people's situations. Tell us about, you know, in our last few minutes, about the transformation a little bit more about that you've seen uh, since, you know, these practices have been implemented. Thank you. I would begin by saying that Gloria, the connector, as many of us called her, call her, has been um, great in connecting individuals so that information can be shared the webinar that uh, Gloria spoke to um, on two days ago was an excellent um, webinar, and it did begin to help us better understand the challenges that individuals had um, and the importance of trauma-informed based care. I would also like to say that um, Gloria and KeyBank Business Boost and Build, um, powered by Jumpstart, provided the Greater Stark County Urban League an opportunity to begin to implement a program that we feel um, will help make that difference of connecting individuals to jobs and creating retention. And that program is our Nav Navigator Initiative, um, which has been sponsored um, by um, the key bank business boost and build. Um, and that initiative 
really involves having trained employment navigators that recruit, assess, and coordinate the wraparound services that job seekers may need to gain um, meaningful employment and to sustain those jobs and to increase the likelihood of career advancements. So navigators will make persistent and reasonable attempts to engage individuals and, again, place them in organizations, remain a mentor of that individual that we placed in the organization or the company and work with them so that whatever issues they may encounter once they are placed with that employer, that we can continue to work with them and help them work through issues that have been triggered. And so, again, it's important that we have those mentors around that can continue to work with employers and employees. We, too, know that retention is critical. And anytime an organization, an employer can retain the employees, it does several things. It provides livable wages and opportunity for individuals and their families, but it also creates a cost savings to that employer, which means they come back. And so we're looking for repeat opportunities to place individual individuals in livable wage jobs. So, uh, ladies, uh, we have just uh, a few minutes left in the program. Um, I just had a thought, you know, it, what is, this whole conversation, you know, about trauma-informed care and, you know, implementing, um, you know, these the awareness of trauma, you know, in the workplace and, you know, putting in place individuals who are um, trained to um, – to uh, administer, you know, such care, you know, all this seems so that employees, you know, feel safe, they feel, um, you know, happier, they become more productive, um, they feel supported, all this sounds like, you know, common sense uh, to right. me. And, you know, in a time where <laughs> uh, 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 common sense seems to be something that <laughs> is lacking, okay, in our society, right. um, yeah. you know, and it, it seems that common sense saves a lot of money and helps people yeah. um you know do better and do more you know why I, I guess from each of you as we close up today um I guess just share like a minute on you know you know how you feel like um I don't know okay what's my real question um I guess I you know what are your thoughts on that what's your take on that do you agree do you disagree and and, and we'll leave it there so I, I think I would like to say that, you know, if we acknowledge that people have been profoundly impacted by trauma, then we, the natural extension of that acceptance would be to dismantle the systemic problems that create the opportunity for that trauma. And I think that's why people at times have been highly reluctant to admit that people have been so profoundly impacted. Uh, and so I think, again, starting this dialogue and having a shared dialogue I think we can begin to get to the much deeper work, which is dismantling the systemic racism, the systemic poverty, the systemic injustice that's created the trauma to begin with. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you, Bethany Friedlander, president and CEO of Newbridge Cleveland. Uh, Diane Robinson, uh, what is your take on that? I agree wholeheartedly with what's just um, shared, and um, I believe that we have to understand that there are many eligible individuals ready to work in high poverty and low employment neighborhoods, and that these individuals contend with job-seeking challenges such as information gaps and access gaps that can be overcome by bringing job connection services directly to them through working with navigators, those individuals that are trained to help place them. And we also understand that connections to jobs are just one piece Mm -hmm. of the service model supporting people to advance to family supporting wages. Mm -hmm. It is only one of many pieces that needs to be given consideration. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Diane Robinson, CEO of the and interim president of the C, uh, Greater Stark County Urban League. Thank you. And Gloria Ware, um, we'll hear from you last but not least. Like, what, do, what do you think about bridging the gap between, you know, common sense practices and what we're seeing today? I think Diane mentioned uh, a gap in information. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of employers also have gaps in information, right? So, um, and I think it's also incumbent upon employers to take the village, right, to be more involved in um, community care because these are communities that they depend on to, you know, buy products and services for them, to have a a strong tax base, to have a viable community that people people want to come and live and work in their, in their, their place of business. So it's incumbent upon for them to step outside of their silos and get involved with organizations like the Greater Stark County Urban League and Urban League across the, the country and, and Newbridge and learn new kind of concepts and practices. Like you could say that many employers themselves have had, you know, adverse trauma uh, in the past, right, which might be showing up in how they run their businesses. So um, just I would say people need to step outside of their bubbles, uh, Talk to the Dianes and the Bethany's of the world. Learn, be open, um, be more empathetic. And uh, I think that they might find that they might themselves personally, as well as their businesses and their communities, benefit from um, these new perspectives. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Gloria Ware, director of the Key Bank Center for Technology, Innovation and Inclusive Growth at Jumpstart. Thank you again, Bethany Friedlander, president and CEO of Newbridge Cleveland, as well as Diane Robinson, CEO and interim president of the Greater Stark County Urban League. You have been listening to Our Voices today. It's Jumpstart Friday. What a great conversation uh, that we had today concerning uh, trauma-informed care in the workplace. Did you even know there was such a thing? So if you want more information, um, we will put that on our WOVU Facebook page, how to get in contact with all three of our wonderful guests today. Uh, Have a wonderful day, uh, WOVU listeners. Coming up next is Another Look with Stephanie Phelps. Uh, We will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Excuse me, but I get so mad. Where could we have been?